I'm scared and I want him to. This is crazy. <laughs> Twitter is a crazy place. Trying to make it home to you, baby. When I get on, it's gonna be amazing. When we get it, it'll be so amazing. What's up, y'all? And welcome back to another episode of my podcast, Failing Forward. Coming to y'all live from Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Florida, Philly, and everywhere else I've been this summer. But I'm super excited to be here with y'all right now and to get back in the flow of bringing y'all this content. But before I go any further, I'm going to ask that you stop what you're doing right now, pause your video, and please hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. I have a goal to reach my first 100 subscribers on this channel and you could be a part of my process of getting there so i would really appreciate having your support in that way now without further ado like i said a minute ago your boy has been traveling for the last month or so and while i was away i really wanted to lock in and focus on my family and friends while i had the time and because of that i didn't really prioritize creating any podcast content but i'm back and i'm better and i can't wait for y'all to see everything that i have in store I would also like to share that in the short time that I was away, I was fortunate and blessed enough to have turned 26 this past May. And whenever my birthday comes around, I always do a ton of reflecting on how far I've come, the progress I've made toward hitting certain goals. And I always like to declare my intentions for the new year, but I can honestly say that I was having so much fun this year that I barely got the chance to do any reflecting. And my birthday is usually always a vibe because it typically falls on or sometime around Memorial Day. So it's usually an extended weekend. The weather is nice and it's a bunch of different cookouts. But like I said, something about this year was just different. Now, I don't know if it's because I've been so homesick and emotional since moving to Atlanta or because it was some kind of divine intervention at play. But what I do know is I had a really extraordinary time. And the crazy thing is I didn't even really do anything special or receive any gifts. But the most impactful thing I did receive on my birthday was being in the presence of some of my closest friends, witnessing their growth in real time, being able to celebrate our collective achievements and just being in an environment where I truly felt a sense of belonging. It's been a while since I was able to see some of these guys in one setting since our careers have taken off and some of us have relocated to different cities. So it was really refreshing to be able to experience that and I definitely felt the love. So my guys are watching, I love y'all and I appreciate the time that we spent together. But to follow that up, I went away to the Poconos for a weekend long retreat then somehow I found myself in Florida for a week or two before I finally made my way back to Atlanta. And once I finally had a moment to sit down and process everything that I had done over the past month or so, I got so many ideas and I quickly figured out what I wanted to talk to y'all about today. So I'm hoping that today's message isn't a super long one, but nonetheless, an impactful one. So today I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on something that a lot of men shy away from, but I'll probably be sharing my thoughts on that four letter word love and it's actually ironic because <laughs> to get the energy flowing for this episode i was listening to brent but i also was listening to Giveon, and both of those two guys are incredible singers but they're labeled as toxic amongst the people so it's actually funny that i'm going to be talking to y'all about love but i was just singing and harmonizing today's songs <laughs> but before we could even get to the love talk I want to tie into this conversation a short segment about the importance of creating balance in your life, but also trusting in the time and that things happen for you. And I want to talk to you about this because if you're someone like myself, you're always reflecting on your behavior, assessing your performance and things you do, 
thinking about the ways in which you can be better and then casting some sort of judgment calling yourself based on the set of insights you receive from that process and while this expectation of constantly being in the know has its benefits there will inevitably be occasions where this may actually hinder you as well because if you're someone that's constantly striving to be in the know that may actually prevent you from showing up in your life and being in the now because if your soul focuses on the world that you envision inside your head you may at times forget to couple that with the one that's at your feet and we'll talk more in depth about this throughout the episode but for now i want to take y'all through some of the events that provoked the inspiration for today's episode and i want to preface this by saying in the beginning the conversation may seem a little outlandish or brainy because of some of the concepts that i'm going to present but i'm just asking for y'all to be patient throughout because i can assure you that it'll be a message for you in the end so as i mentioned earlier as part of my trip to my hometown i was fortunate enough to attend a sleepaway camp in the poconos for a few days and this retreat is something that i've taken part in for the last six summers with some of my closest friends from college and we all continue to come back year after year not only because the trip is sponsored by an incredible organization, but also because there's just so much value exchanged year after year. There are speakers that come in from all across the country. They host workshops on various topics. And there's also a lot of less formal stuff to do throughout the weekend if you just want to unwind and have a good time. To name a few, there's ziplining, kayaking, fishing, a ropes course, and even stargazing at night. Now, the food could definitely be a little bit better, but other than that, the experience is definitely a 10 out of 10. The one thing I forgot to mention is that you'll probably end up crying or befriending a total stranger at some point throughout the weekend because that environment just brings out a level of vulnerability and authenticity in everyone that you wish more people could experience. Think about it. You're taking about 40 plus motivated students from the Philly area or right outside of it and bringing them to a campsite where there's little to no Wi-Fi or outside distractions and you're expecting them to participate in a bunch of random activities with one another. It's like the first day of school. Eventually, you're gonna start talking to somebody, you'll realize that you got a bunch of things in common, and then you'll go from there and try to find the best ways to enjoy the rest of your weekend. So over the years, we've had experts come in and cover a multitude of different subjects, but the one I wanna to highlight today is about something called an Enneagram. And if you've never heard of an Enneagram, essentially it's a personality test that's guided by nine different archetypes. So before going to the retreat, we all were required to take a brief exam and we were then given a number that we would learn more about once we got to the campsite. And initially, I didn't think much of this activity, but little did I know I would be in for a huge surprise because this went on to be one of my favorite workshops throughout the weekend because being that it was such a small group of us that went to this particular activity, it actually allowed for a level of intimacy and intentionality that I don't know would have been there if we had gotten a larger group. And to the speaker's credit, she was saying some ill stuff the entire time. She had a dope response for almost every question that was asked of her. And at one point, I think we all were looking around at each other in shock because it's no way that she should have been able to read us as well as she did. But I guess that's why she's the expert and we're the students. So if you're wondering, my archetype happened to be number eight, which was described as the most dominant of all. And this comes at no surprise, but eights are known as the challengers of the group. People who fall within this category care about nothing more than having control. So as you can imagine, loyalty and the presence of strong relationships are everything to innate because we hate being seen vulnerably, which makes perfect sense as to why we're often seen as combative, controlling, or intimidating to the people around us. So throughout this presentation, 
each of our archetypes were highlighted one by one and then placed in different scenarios where we were able to see our individual traits play out in real time. And this was interesting because not only were the descriptions of each archetype and our reactions in those situations scary accurate, but for almost all of us, I think we immediately began to wonder if there was any room for us to potentially show up differently than what was expected of us given the categories we fell into. For example, I often find myself in a lot of heated discussions because of my assertiveness and the ways in which I go about expressing my beliefs. I'm a very strong-willed person, I'm opinionated, but I'm also very reflective, so sometimes when I express myself, it can almost come across as if what I'm saying is resolute because of how strong my points come across, and God forbid I disagree with a point that you made throughout the conversation because best believe I will ask you for clarification or challenge an idea because I really care about the facts or whatever it is I believe to be true. I'm not one of those people that will just sit there and let somebody tell me anything and I just accept it and act like I didn't hear that. I'm sorry, but that's just not me. So what I realized is a lot of times this can actually come across as domineering. And if you're someone that exists on the more introverted side of things, this can actually be very intimidating and can make people want to disengage. But that's something that I'm learning as I get older. And when this happens, I always walk away from these interactions wishing I could have worded things differently or hoping that people don't think I'm a bad person because of how I tend to navigate these situations. And with this thought in mind, I thought it was pretty interesting that the experts shared that first and foremost, all of the archetypes are interrelated. And because of that, there may be some overlap in how you feel that you show up in certain situations and that of which whatever your Enneagram number suggests. So to break that down even further, I think as humans, we have this natural propensity to look at things in such a linear way, which is usually weighed by labeling things as either good or bad. And based off those judgments, we'll then determine how we would like to interact with that entity from that point on. So in our minds, if we determine that somebody is a bad person based on things we've seen from them in public, uh, personal exchange, or what we think we know about them, we'll typically do one of two things. We'll either go into fixing mode because we believe that something is inherently wrong with that person, or we'll distance ourselves completely after noticing that our values aren't aligned. And because so many of us are operating in this way, it can actually prevent us from showing up and realizing the gray areas that exist that might help you understand a person better because for every good quality, there will always be something that you could label as bad or undesirable. You can't have one without the other, it's human nature. So by the end of this workshop, I was actually able to realize that it's okay to be the challenger. My personality type may not be for everyone, but I could also say that about almost every person walking this earth. And oddly enough, if you look closely at an Enneagram diagram, you would see that challenger archetypes are directly linked to thinkers and helpers. Meaning, I'm just somebody that cares enough about things and people enough to stand up for whatever I believe in. Even if I get in trouble in the process of doing so, because if I believe that what I'm voicing could benefit others, I'm always going to do it. So when you see that fiery passion on the surface, just know that beneath that is a genuine concern for change and a care for others. But I think the lesson in all of this is that while we were all sitting together having this discussion with the live expert, as I looked around the room, I noticed from every single person this great sense of pride as we talked about our individual strengths. And slowly, that then turned into this eerie tension and dissatisfaction as the conversation shifted to the downside of our individual archetypes. Because you could tell that these were the things that people really wrestled with behind closed doors. And as we sat across from one another in this group, 
it was almost as if our character flaws were on full display for everybody to critique. So one by one, we would ask the expert for her advice about how we could fix these things about ourselves or how we could begin to lean more into another area that we felt would lead to better results socially. And she just listened without judgment and then gave us the most beautiful pieces of advice. One of her responses that I remember so vividly was given to a close friend of mine that asked, in being so much of a helper archetype, is there any room to be more assertive and less timid? And it's funny because this particular person is really soft-spoken and she can almost get lost in group discussions because of how observant she is, which explains why she was also the last person to speak. But the way I interpreted her question was, and I could be wrong about this, but what I heard was, how can I become less of a giver and more of somebody that prioritizes self? And the woman listened to her and then responded in the most thoughtful way. She said, of course, there's room for helpers to become more assertive. But I think it's equally important for you to realize that your essence lies in the things that you can do for others. You're a nurturer by default. You have this innate ability to heal people and restore them to life. That's your superpower. So think of yourself like Mother Nature. The more you tend to your garden, the more fruit you'll bear that will feed your community. I'm sure you've heard the quote, you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, you have to make sure that your cup is full first. So when you do go out to assist somebody in need, you're choosing to pour from an overflow as opposed to a glass half full. And I believe that's where there's true power. And when she said that, we all just started clapping for some reason because I think in that moment, we all learned to look at ourselves and our own strengths in that way because as humans, we are innately flawed. But in the same token, we all have been immensely blessed with individual gifts and talents that make us all unique. And I think a big part of life is not so much about learning to change or evade those flawed parts of ourselves, but more so learning to understand why they exist and how to best live with them because a lot of times these perceived strengths that we exhibit on the surface are really just tools that we've been using for survival. And because of that, many of us are overcompensating because we're afraid for people to see us more authentically. And there's a quote I discovered a couple years back that really captures this idea in its essence. It says, any strength used in excess can become a weakness. And I'll share a couple examples why. Have you ever seen a woman get praised for her independence in one room and then penalized for it in another. She's educated, a homeowner, paid, and drives a nice car. This woman prides herself on not needing anyone for anything, so much so that the moment her independence is threatened or she must become somewhat dependent on somebody outside of herself for her livelihood or existence, the discomfort that brings is almost cringeworthy that she consistently finds ways to let people know how little she needs them and how much she can do on her own, even if that results in her missing out on a potential love interest or a business deal. Have you ever seen a man exude so much confidence that he comes off as arrogant? Everything is a competition to this guy. He believes he's the best at most things and no one could touch him. And while he may be super successful in his own right and maybe even naturally gifted in some ways, he doesn't care who he offends or steps on on his way to the top because why would he? It's not like he could see those same people on his way back to the bottom, not him, right? And before y'all miss the point by overanalyzing the examples I just gave, what I hope you just got from that is, of course, it's okay to be independent. And yes, it's okay to be self-assured as well, but not so much when you begin to self-sabotage or potentially leave a trail of hurt and regret behind you. At some point, you have to know when to take the gloves off. In my opinion, what we really should be striving to achieve more of is balance. Balance at home, work, play, and family, friendship, and within. Because the more awareness you have of self, 
the better you'll be able to assess where you stand in relation to your environment. And when this happens, it allows for you to make room in your life for complementary pieces that will aid you on the journey. So instead of taking pride in always having to be the strongest or the smartest in the room, realizing that you don't actually have to be in every scenario. And if this is the case, I would encourage you to be intentional about finding ways to raise the frequency of your environment because the best things in life happen when there's a level of synergy flowing. Think about how some of your favorite projects have come to be. If Drake as the artist didn't ever link up with 40, the producer, or Noel, the engineer, would we have ever gotten the views or a take care? The answer is probably no, but because the right people came together at the right time and made the best use of their individual gifts, they were able to create some of the greatest sounds of our generation. And of course, Drake as a standalone act is great in his own right. So he could have probably worked with just about anyone and still have produced great music. But I can guarantee you, if he wasn't alongside those guys, nothing would have been the same. <laughs> but no, seriously, balance is key in all things. So when you notice that it isn't present, you have to try and figure out why or how you can use whatever it is in you to bring things back to equilibrium because as humans, that's where we operate best. And if you're unsure of how to initiate that process, here are some simple yet tangible things you can do to create more balance in your life. The first thing I would suggest happens to be something that we all love, which is reaching out and asking for help. And while it may be uncomfortable to do so, it's often necessary to initiate any change-making process. So if you're gonna do it, you have to make sure that you're actually in a position to be accepting of that support when it comes your way. Secondly, I would encourage you to try and acknowledge the impact of your presence in certain spaces, whether that be at work, on your side project, or in your relationship. Notice what kinds of roles tend to speak to you or what sort of positions you often find yourself in. And through this process, you might learn that there may be opportunities available for you to empower others by taking more of a back seat, or maybe it might be you who needs to step up to the plate and get the ball rolling. Either way, through this process, you're learning how to be more of a team player, which is crucial to the success or downfall of any unit. With that said, I believe it's vital to perform an audit of the people around you every so often to assess if they're actually helping or hindering you in getting closer to where you would like to be. Because if you find yourself constantly having to overextend or sacrifice while getting little to nothing in return, at some point, you have to be honest with yourself about the exchange of energy, effort, attention, and intention being placed onto whatever it is you're seeking to maintain. So I guess the last piece of advice would be knowing the difference between when to leave and when to stay. And that leads directly into my next point about the importance of timing in your life. So if balance is key, then timing is everything. And the funny thing about time is that it's the one thing we have absolutely no control over. You can plan, strategize and even try to will things into fruition but at the end of the day life has a funny way of showing us that we aren't the ones in charge i remember being a kid and feeling like time moves too slow all i wanted to do was grow up and be out on my own and now that i'm an adult i often find myself wishing that things would slow down just a little bit but if everything in life happened exactly how we wanted them to i'm not really sure how fulfilling this experience would actually be because in those moments of wishing, hoping, and waiting, more often than not, we don't realize that we're already in the midst of the blessings we're praying for. But the caveat to that is, in order for things to truly begin to materialize for you, you have to remain diligent in your work and grateful throughout the process, even when you don't understand the manner in which things are happening. And as I've navigated my early 20s, this is something I've almost been forced to internalize, probably now more than ever, because I've definitely had my share of ups and downs. And 
Now that I'm done being all poetic about the situation, I can finally get into the nitty gritty, which is recently I discovered something pretty jarring about myself, y'all. And when I came to this realization, it actually shed light on a lot of trends in my behavior that I didn't even know were connected. It explained why I can at times self-sabotage by pushing the people I care about most away. It explained why when I'm hurt, I can often appear as cold or detached emotionally. It explained why the process of starting over with someone new has always been easier than reconciling with the person I'm with. It explained why once I'm off you, there's no coming back because I've never been the type of person to give second chances. And this isn't something I'm being too hard on myself about because I would like to believe I've had good reason to function this way for so many years. But there comes a certain point in your life where you gotta be real with yourself about the gap between where you are and that of where you would like to be. So if I'm being completely honest, y'all, my gap has been gapping a little bit, <laughs> just a tiny bit. And I don't mean this in relation to my professional and extracurricular endeavors because I'm very happy in those realms. What I'm referring to happens to be a little bit more personal. It's the stuff that people can't see. So if you're wondering, I'll share with you that. And it's hard to say this, but I recently discovered that I have trust issues and maybe even something a little deeper, but for now, I'll cap it at that. But no, part of the reason why I find this to be so shocking is because of how I tend to show up in my social life. I'm often called the friendly one amongst my peers because of how charismatic I tend to be. I hold doors, I help with groceries, compliment strangers, uplift people with my words, and can pretty much make a friend in every room I'm in. And after hearing that, you might think, if you're the type of person that can strike up a conversation with just about anyone or find comfort in sharing your testimony amongst strangers, that you're pretty trusting because where I'm from, People just aren't built that way, especially young men. But I'm learning that there are indeed layers and degrees of vulnerability. So as I began to process some of these early experiences from this enlightened perspective, I thought, damn, I definitely could have handled certain things differently over the years. And it's ironic that as I was in the midst of preparing this episode, I came across a post on social media that I find relevant to what I'm sharing with y'all right now. It said, you can't love if you can't forgive. You can't forgive if you can't accept mistakes, and you can't accept mistakes if you can't be humble. And I would concur that this is true. One of my greatest downfalls has been how I've navigated feelings of abandonment, resentment, and betrayal, which, whether we like it or not, all happen to be elements of relationships. Now, this isn't to say that you're destined to encounter these specific things, but it does mean that if you choose to partake in a relationship of any sort, there is a possibility that one of these things may come up at some point, and if they do, it's important that you learn how to effectively respond when you come in contact with them, which is where I am now. And that says a lot because only a few years ago, I was a person that had little to no understanding of how deeply they were impacted by something as big as generational trauma. I was never taught how to unpack my experiences. I was socialized to compartmentalize and find a way to keep pressing forward just as those who came before us did. So. Anytime I felt anything even remotely close to those three words I just shared, I would literally self-destruct without a clue why, because what I now recognize as a trigger then would feel like the end of the world. But with the help of therapy, mindfulness training, and other restorative practices, I've been able to undergo a much needed transformation. So there hasn't been any grand miracle that's taken place, just heightened awareness and intentional effort leading to growth in all the right areas. And I believe that's the main takeaway because historically we've been told that time heals all wounds and maybe this advice was more circumstantial than anything but in this era 
I no longer see that being true. In my opinion, time is just a collection of moments. And if you're referencing it in relation to a specific experience, time is just the distance between where you are now and that of whatever occurred. So if you're sitting around wondering when the pain will end or when the memories will cease to exist, you'll probably be waiting around forever because unfortunately, life just doesn't work that way. What you don't heal will be revealed. And with that in mind, I believe it's more about what you do in response to feelings of grief, anxiety, depression, and insecurity over a period of time, as opposed to just hoping that one day things will be better or trying to find ways to numb the pain. And this process looks different for everybody. So there's no need to feel judged or discouraged. I'm just here to tell you that those simple acts of resilience that may seem insignificant or out of the norm just might be the things that set you on a path toward changing your life. Whether it's choosing to get up out of bed each day, making your bed, showering, eating, drinking water, reaching out to a family member or a friend, getting outside to catch the sun, or even something as big as making a choice to seek out professional help. It matters because if you do those things enough, eventually they'll lead you to something else. And before you know it, life will have shown you something meaningful. But if you fail to act in an intentional way, trauma will bind you and keep you at the stage you experienced it, no matter how much time has passed. Now, how does this relate to my story? <laughs> the grand question. Well, for years, there's been one area of my life that I just couldn't seem to get right. No matter how much I thought I knew or how well I thought I prepared, when it came to relationships, I sucked straight up. <laughs> Ironically though, I've always been the kind of guy that was fortunate enough to end up with exactly who I wanted. The kind of girls that make your homies say, hey bro, I'm living through you right now, or hey Tay, you different. I want to be like you when I grow up. But somehow, four to six months later, I will find myself hearing these same words again before telling my friends what transpired with the last person. And this happened so many times during my young adulthood that I began to develop a reputation that was opposite of the person that I was trying to be. There were even moments where I started to believe the things that were being said because it started to seem like this was my destiny. So while I was earning praise amongst my friends for having my name attached to some of the most desirable women, on the inside, I will always feel this great sense of burden because deep down, I was rarely ever fulfilled because what I really desired was something long lasting and true. Believe it or not, even the biggest players of them all want to be loved, but it took for those failed talking stages situationships and fly-by-night relationships in order to truly understand what it is that I've been running away from. So here I am now, 26, flawed, but more prepared than ever. And I say that because of the incremental changes I've made in myself over time. And it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, I caught myself saying something to somebody that I really care about. And after I said it, I was scared as hell, y'all, but in this weird way, I felt good because I knew that I was headed in the right direction. The work was paying off. What I said to this person was, I think the reason I've struggled navigating conflict in relationships is because of how vulnerable it requires you to be. To put your pride aside and admit to your partner that you could have handled the situation differently or to express to someone you admire how they may have harmed you, then having the willingness to forgive or even compromising your beliefs when you've been so accustomed to operate in a certain way. It takes courage. You have to be brave because at that moment, you're relinquishing all control. If your guard let down and your feelings being exposed, the only thing you have left to hold on to is trust. And if you're a person like myself who has experienced significant trauma, that feeling can be alarming both mentally and physically. And as a man, those are the feelings that we resist. 
But at that moment, it was almost as if I finally understood that in order to get closer to the blessings I had prayed for and to inch closer to becoming a man I hope to be someday, I had to be willing to do something I haven't done damn near since birth because it was around that time that I experienced undoubtedly the greatest tragedy of my life. That being the fact that I was separated from my mother and father as a toddler and from that point on, I don't know if I ever fully learned to trust again. Instead, I learned how to use kindness and compassion as a skill to disarm people and to control my environment because in my mind, I thought as long as everybody was happy, that might give them a reason to stick around because the moment they weren't, they would up and leave like I assumed my parents did. And it was with this thought that I realized it was time. There was no moment better than the present to move forward because I had already done most of the hard stuff just trying to get here. So by choosing to take that leap forward, that didn't guarantee that the journey was over. It actually signified the start of a new beginning, a new way of being and seeing the world because in the few short years since I've started my healing journey, I've uncovered things about my life that I didn't even know I was prepared for. But because I've been so open throughout the process, my life has been given new meaning. And there were certainly moments throughout where things were painful and I wanted to give in, but deep down, I knew I had come too far to quit. So whenever I had the urge to cry, I did. Whenever I reached my threshold emotionally and needed to disengage, I took a moment. Whenever I needed some extra support and thought about phoning a family member or a friend, I called because I knew the discomfort I was experiencing in those moments was only temporary, while the reward that I would get on the other side would be everlasting. So if you care to know some of the things I've had to do over the past years outside of finding a therapist and regularly attending my sessions, I'll share. One of the most important things I had to do for myself was mustering up the courage to ask some of the hard questions I had pondered on throughout my life. Even if it was a question I may have already asked and been given an answer to, I was adamant about making sure those queries didn't go unheard because what I realized from this process is you have to be careful of the story that you're telling yourself because the longer you hold on to those beliefs, they will inevitably become a self-fulfilling prophecy causing you to either repeat a generational cycle or proliferate false truths. So by doing this, a lot of the things that I thought I understood when I was younger have an entirely different meaning now that I'm older. And because of that, I've been able to entertain those conversations in much greater depth than I was before. With that said, I actually grow a lot more compassion for my parents after hearing their stories from their point of view and even seeing my father for the first time since I was two. And best believe this was an emotional roller coaster, but I would do it again because it was definitely worth it. From this, one of the next things that was on my heart to do was make time to build and repair some pre-existent and other non-existent relationships which is still a work in progress, but it started with my mother and has since trickled down to my siblings on both sides of the family. Another thing I had to do was make several lifestyle changes. Some things were relatively smaller, like adjusting my mind from ideologies I had formerly subscribed to, and other things were a little bigger, like leaving my hometown and moving to a new city. And because my beliefs changed so much throughout this process, I found myself no longer being able to relate to certain people or tolerate certain behavior. So, Learning to set boundaries has been huge. And of course, none of this stuff happened overnight, but I can assure you that if any one thing on my path was different, I don't know if I would be here sharing this with you all right now because each time that I observe one of my siblings and I see a little bit of my face chiseled within theirs, it serves as a reminder of the years that we spent apart, but more so how much of an opportunity we have to shape our future. And for many reasons, I find that comforting. Each time I hear my mother's voice, 
sharing more of her truth and expressing her admiration for her firstborn. Part of my soul is being restored because there's definitely a healing factor about a mother's love. And the more I learned about my father, I realized that what was missing from my life is just a byproduct of what was missing from his. So instead of dwelling on what could have been, becoming more at peace with what is. And as I look toward my future, I would like to believe that I'm headed in the right direction. And I pray that time is on my side, not because it will heal all of my wounds, but because of what will be revealed on my journey of breaking generational curses. So hopefully, if y'all still around a year or two from now supporting the channel, you'll have witnessed the development of what I'm creating with Miss Mother Nature. <laughs> Don't let that go over your head. But until then, I need y'all to subscribe to my channel and continue with your support because I have so much more in store. And with that said, I appreciate all of you. I'm very grateful for your listenership. And I hope at least some part of this video made any sense. But if it didn't, don't hesitate to refresh the browser and watch the video again. You might catch something that you didn't the second time. <laughs> but no, I love y'all. Don't forget to follow me on all the socials. I recently got on Twitter. My name is TankX2. So Tank, T-A-N-K-X and 2 as in a number. My pop's name was Tank. So it's kind of like um, brandishing that name in a new way, rebranding it. I think that's a better word. But anyways, y'all, peace and stay on the lookout for more content. I'll see y'all soon.